a lot of people that identify as having had burnout, it was because they were diagnosed really late in life and then they spent a long time putting in effort to try to appear neurotypical, not acknowledging that you have limitations. And with that came like not a lot of self-compassion, self-care. That is one of the things that really brings you closer to burnout. ADHD Rewired episode number 68. This is the show designed to help those of us who have really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and consultant. We know that starting can be the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me thank our sponsors. Zoom video conferencing is so easy to use that with all the extra time I saved not having to configure complicated settings, I recorded this promotion. Support ADHD Rewired and check out Zoom video conferencing. Go to erictivers.com slash Zoom. Again, that's erictivers.com slash Zoom. Get a Zoom room. Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Go to audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Check show notes for link. Last week's registration deadline for the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group came and went. But since I make the rules, I can bend the rules. I've extended registration for just a few days. We have a few spots left. To see if there is still time left, go to coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. 10 weeks of live coaching, accountability, three sessions per week. That's coachingrewired.com. This really is your last chance. We start June 22nd. 2015. Oh, and for those of you who are not on Facebook, and I know that there are still some of you out there, like my wife, you may have heard rumors about a certain podcaster by the name of Tom Nardone joining my coaching group. If you know Tom Nardone, he's been on my podcast a few times. He has a blog, so he tells me one of these days. I'll read it. Uh, But I do listen to his podcast that he does with his wife, The Tom Nardone Show. So about these rumors about him joining my ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group, I need to set the record straight. This is not a rumor. Tom Nardone has joined the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group. And there is still time for you to join too. Join us. Go to coachingrewired.com and schedule your free consultation with me. That's coachingrewired.com. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. I am here with my guest in the virtual ADHD Rewired studios in Northern Illinois with Narice Connor. Narice is a music performance and music business student. She's a part-time swim instructor, wild plant aficionado, and former ADHD Rewired coaching member. And that's just scratching the surface. Narice, I am thrilled to have you on the show. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Um... It's always awesome when we start with the awkward pause. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> oh, you want to hear a short story about an awkward pause? I would love to hear a short story about an awkward pause. Okay, so um, Saturday, I, I have an internship with a local news network group, and I was uh, videotaping at an air show. And for whatever reason, the person I was supposed to be videotaping decided to have me be the interviewed person and had me sit in a biplane and just improvisationally spew out stuff. And there were so many awkward pauses. I was like, oh, I I need more experience with improv because this is not going well. So let's let's first begin by talking a little bit about kind of, um, you know, so I think that that the the awkward pauses I'm imagining are (laughs) – um, something maybe you're sort of familiar with. Yeah. T- tell us a little bit about uh, kind of who you are besides from what we just said in this in this little intro. So you have ADHD. Yes, I do. Um, amongst other things. Oh, so you want like a list? 
<laughs> have you okay. written it down so you don't leave anything at? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, um, no, it's yeah. cool. They always have you fill out those sheets that say, do you have any, like, learning disabilities that we should know about? And I'm like, I need extra lines. But anyway. <laughs> um, no, I also have nonverbal learning disability, uh, dyscalculia, and I'm also autistic. So was that it? I think that's everything. Yes. <laughs> You need extra lines for that. I mean, that that well, wasn't no. that much. They were. I write pretty big. Okay, so you identify as having ADHD, um, being on the autism spectrum. You have yeah. uh, dyscalculia. I, I don't know how um, what the right way to say it is, but I think I have that too. Um, where I, okay. I swap patterns of numbers around. Um, is that kind of how it affects you? It affects me more with um, driving. Um, having a 3d image of a building in my head like if i go downstairs mm -hmm. and come out i'm suddenly like in a whole new place even if i've been there for before oh interesting it's like really like say you're in a seven-story building and uh -huh. you're at the top floor and every floor is exactly the same and you're supposed to turn left and there's the garbage room i'll go down the stairs and be like where am i and then we'll go down every single stairs and my friend will be like mary's just turn left and i'll be like oh but where am i so it's, it's like really a visual spatial, like you, it's almost like you don't know where you are in space. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in addition to these diagnoses, you also, um, you're, you identify as, we're talking about gender, gender identity. Oh, yes. I identify as agender. So it, for me, that I use that to mean more along the lines of gender neutral. I know people who use that to mean like without gender, but... I use it more for gender neutral. And this is different that from asexual? Yes. Asexual is a sexual orientation identity. So mm -hmm. that would be that you're not really sexually attracted to anyone. Like say bisexuals are attracted to two different genders like mm -hmm. bi. So asexual would be no genders. Okay. So can you be asexual and not a – wait – I think I crossed my question. Can you be a sexual and not a gendered? Yes. There's okay. plenty of people who are identify as other genders, like male or female, mm -hmm. who are asexual. Mm -hmm. It's uh, your gender identity and your sexual orientation aren't really linked like that. Mm -hmm. Like, um, Trying to think of a good way to explain that. Well, I understand that, you know, yeah. sex is what we got down below and gender is how we identify from a social construct. Yeah. And I think we often, you know, uh, confuse those those two terms. Definitely. Um, at school, I've done a lot of not official training, but um, training on how to explain gender to people. And the first thing they always say is make sure that people understand the difference between sex and gender. Mm -hmm. just, just what you explained. My, my my background is I had a, a sociology minor, um, so I'm kind of drawn on drawn on that experience. Um, so now, well, it's interesting though, as you identify these, you know, these different things. I mean, I think all of us have we. There's so many different ways that we can identify. Um, but for you, one of the things that it was interesting that you were sharing with me was um, you know, as you share these things with your family. Um, would you talk a little bit about the differences when how you identified with that in relation to um, how you identified with being agendered versus with your ADHD and what your family's response was with that? Yeah. Okay. So when I first came out to my parents as asexual, they didn't really care. They didn't get it. I think that was early high school. Um, but then I remember when I was actually getting diagnosed with ADHD, autism, uh, you know how they have that meeting where you sit down with you and your parents and the doctor mm -hmm. and they like explain everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, my mom was like, you know, she doesn't identify as a woman. Is that have to do with the autism? And uh, the doctor was kind of like, yeah, that could be it partially. And so I was like, oh, I, I hadn't um, talked to my parents about any kind of gender stuff at this time. So I was like, she just knows, like a motherly bond. Hmm. Yeah. So I was very excited and I went to talk to them about this, but apparently they didn't. And so they were talking about being asexual and how maybe it's just the autism, like kind hmm. of thing like that, which 
that frustrated me a lot. Um, and then I got a lot, like, I don't know. I get some people who are like, maybe you're just like, because you're autistic, you don't understand gender norms. And I'm like, no, no, I totally do. Please stop. <laughs> and you know, and it's, so. it's, I find that it's, well, a couple things. One, how the desire that we always have thing as human beings to put things into categories so we can understand yeah. them. Unfortunately, while it's a beginning point for understanding, you know, we're just way more complex than being able to just put something in a, uh, you know, a yes or no category. Um, it's like, it's a yes, comma, but, you know, so there's all these other things, but I do know from my, my own work with uh, individuals on the autism spectrum, because um, that is the other half of my practice. I, I do yeah. a lot of ADHD, um, but the other half is with with autism, and it's it's surprising it's surprising to me how common um, issues of asexuality, a gender, do seem to to come up. Um, so it's. So it seems like maybe there is this somewhat of an overlap, um, but there's also probably these distinct differences too. Yeah, I've actually heard that before. Like I heard somewhere that while only maybe 10% of the general population identifies as LGBT, the autism community is more like 25 to 30%, hmm. which I, I have no explanation as to why, but any, any theories? just a statistic that I heard. What'd you say? Any theories? Um. No, because anything that I would come up with would be purely speculative, purely just what I've seen. So. Okay, okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, one of the things that I think is really common, uh, we, we know, with, with autism is our, our sensory processing challenges. Oh, yes. Um, and in my work with autism, I've also noticed how common sensory uh, processing challenges are also with ADHD, but I don't think that they are talked about as Definitely. much. Um, and you use a term uh, called um, what was it? Autistic burnout? Is that autistic the... burnout? Oh, talk a little bit about that. Yes. I think that's really interesting. Oh, so was this? I think this was right after I was diagnosed, but before I started actually doing any kind of management. Um, so my second semester of college, I allowed my um, counselor person, advisor, to mm -hmm. talk me into taking 19 credits mm -hmm. in one semester. Wow. And um, basically, I, I've read this online before, but I think it was just scientifically proven somehow. But when you're when an autistic person is under a lot of stress, suddenly it seems as if your uh, sensory processing difficulties your executive function just gets so much worse and you actually get to the point that's called autistic burnout where uh things that you could have done before like maybe reading or talking just feel monumentally difficult it's it it feels like being severely depressed without the depression almost like you might not feel sad but you have all of this other symptoms it's in a very physical realm yeah, like I almost felt like there was a plexiglass box around me mm. and I couldn't like get out of that. So what were some of the other um, symptoms for you uh, of that, um, as well as some of the other um, like challenges you have with, with sensory processing? Um, so on burnout, I would say some days it would be too sensory, like there'd be, I'd get overwhelmed, I guess. Just going to the food place at school. What is that called? The like the grocery store. The um, it's the like a big cafeteria. Yeah, that okay. place. And I don't know. I just wouldn't ever want to go there. So I would wait until like I had really bad eating habits because of that. I'd wait until like the time between they switched from dinner to nighttime and go eat pizza every day. Like. Mm. That was, yeah, because it was quietest then. Mm. Um, other things. Oh, it took me, I like could not read, which was interesting, I think. Like even road signs, I, they would like be gone before I had the time to process them. Hmm. Which is really interesting because usually I'm a pretty strong reader. Um, so it really sounds like an information processing yeah. was, was really, uh, um, become like jumbled when your sensory system became overloaded. 
Yeah, definitely. It'd be stuff like, um, I don't know, getting dressed in the morning, you put on your socks, but then getting to like transitioning got a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Moving from getting to the pants to the shirt, even simple stuff that seems related like that just took so much effort. I'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, oh, this isn't worth it today. Mm. So it sounds like an extreme executive function challenge. Yeah. So then how is this different um, from from ADHD to versus with, with autism? Because a lot of this, you know, a lot of the listeners might be thinking right now, well, I struggle with that too, and I don't have autism. To um, be honest, I don't really know. Hmm. Um, I, the more I've looked into it, the more I've heard that very similar things do happen with ADHD. Um, I would say that maybe, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, I really don't know. Like some, I know part of it was that I know you mentioned all the time when you're not sleeping as well, it's harder to, you, you can make a phone call, but it, it takes a lot more like willpower yes, and yes. whatnot. And I, I don't know. It feels like that, but times a thousand almost. Uh, uh, so. so what are, are there things that, um, uh, you tend to avoid from a sensory perspective or things that you oh, seek? Um, I'll give you an interesting example. Mm, last summer, because my youngest brother who has ADHD, he comes home from school and he like to calm himself down from school. He needs to make a lot of noise, like running in circles around the house. Yelling is how he decompresses from school. Okay. And that's the afternoon. This was when I was still like, now is, the, is your brother neurotypical or is he on the spectrum? No, he, or? he has ADHD, okay. but he's not on the autism spectrum. Okay. Um, I was just thinking running in circles, you know, that. <laughs> yeah, that seems, that's, I just mentioned it because it's, I was watching him do this once and I, I'd always just thought that was him. And I'm like, no, he's stimming. Interesting. Mm. Cause I know people with ADHD do stim, but it's not mm-hmm. really talked about. And for, and for, you know, those who don't have not heard that term stem, it's yeah. just kind of a short hand term for self stimulation. And we all do different things. You know, some people, pick their nails or twirl their hair or, you know, uh, like maybe bounce their feet. Um, you know, people with, with autism tend to do more kind of, um, um, what would you call it? Dramatic expressions of this, yeah. um, on the most extreme, like big body, uh, kind of rocking, hand flapping, um, twirling things, looking at, 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 uh, how things appear in the light, even like lining things up, um, vocal, uh, you know, kind of stems, from like guttural sound. I mean, there's, there's all, there's a whole variety yeah. of, of interesting uh, uh, ways that people self stim. Uh, but it's a, it's a way of kind of either tuning out the world or trying to engage in the world. Yeah. I've also found that um, I found this really interesting. You know how you have your senses of smell and sight and whatever, mm-hmm. but there's also like the vestibular sense, which and the other one, the ones that are like spinning and deep pressure. Mm-hmm. Proprioception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. You know, all the right words to this, but, um, you want to know how I, I remember have... vestibular? Because vestibular is like your your sense of balance. It's it's what yes. it's like when you step onto a boat. It's how you know how, like where to shift your weight as the boat kind of rocks. Think of vestibular as you need a life vest to get oh. on the boat. That's how I've always remembered it. That's really good. And then proprioception is the the big muscles and joints and how they compress and knowing how much weight we need to kind of uh, apply into to a different situation. So think of like a pro like wrestler. I don't know. It's just what, what's the association that I make uh, to remember that. Okay. Um, well, anyway, I found that a lot of stimming is because um, those two senses are either like under receptive or over receptive. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I don't know, um, filling it in, fix it, like mm-hmm. making it more correct, I guess. Trying to get in sync with, uh, yeah. in, in, with your body in the world. I mean, that's, I know, um, I, I mean, it's interesting. And I think because I've worked, uh, in, you know, with, with individuals with autism for, I think over 10 years now, um, I've been, I've, it made me so much more aware of sensory differences, um, that if, if I didn't, ha- had not worked with people with autism, I probably wouldn't, you know, I probably would just, like, I don't even know what I would think of it. I, Cause I think it's, yeah. it's easier to make sense of the world when you have something to call it and you can, you know, label and identify things. Um, but I know that there are things for me that are, make me very overstimulated. I mean, even just going to a grocery store. Um, I mean, it's, I, I can't do it. Like I, I can't not look at everything. Like it's like, 
you know, I need to get those like horse blinders so I can just see like, looking forward. Because yeah. it's it's and then by the time I leave, I am so exhausted. Like I I have the inability of going into a store for one thing, focusing on just getting that one thing, and then going directly to the register to check out. Like, I can't do it. It's so frustrating. Um, or have you ever been to a um IKEA? No. So um, at least in, in the the store that's near me, and uh, it's one in Schaumburg, Illinois. Um, I, I try not to go. It's like I like it, but then I hit this threshold where I'm like, "Get me out of this hell!" And on the third floor of this certain IKEA building, I could feel the vibration of the store. Like I don't know if it's their like ventilation system or what, and it just makes me so uneasy. And it's just like, and you know, look around and it doesn't seem to be bothering anybody else. And it's you know, so I just think it's important that we understand how uh the external world affects us um yeah. and you know and be realistic and, and also compassionate to ourselves if you know there are certain things that are just kind of too overstimulating uh for us um and also what's calming for us i think that's it's a really uh you know there's a lot of subtleties in self-regulation uh, with our sensory system. But if you, um, you know, when you're working with someone with autism, you notice that some of these things aren't so subtle and they start to make a little bit more sense. I've also noticed uh, particularly with autism and maybe ADHD too, um, depending on like, it's not always the same. So like sometimes bowling alleys are 100% no go. Mm. And sometimes there I okay, let's go, but we're I'm me and someone else are going to go together with the group, but then we're going to leave halfway through. Okay. Kind of thing. That's the way that you kinda of manage the, the overstimulation. Yeah. Okay. What are some of your other no goes? No goes. Um well this is interesting because right now my sensory processing is awesome. Like some of my previous no goes are let's do it sort of. And some of my previous Last summer when I was burnt out, the things that were easy were automatic no-goes. Like, um, I know Bowling Alley is a big one. that I, I just don't like going there. Because mm-hmm. it it's actually the combination of the strobe lights and the Bowling Alley sounds. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. There are ones that I don't – they're not no-goes, but I don't like them at all. Like uh, baseball games and – Concerts? Oh, I like concerts, actually. <laughs> I was wondering, because I know that you're a musician. Um, it depends on the concert. I usually, if I can find a good place to sit, it's a lot better. Um, and it, it depends on the type of music, too. What kind of music do you like, Nerys? Oh, man. Um, I listen to a lot of klezmer music, some polka, basically anything of Eastern European origin, some... Uh, Latin American music, Irish music. Um, I'm getting into classical music. Two years of classical music school, and I'm finally getting into classical music. Um, I'm just imagining, you know, how your maybe roommates or people near you are thinking, wow, this is uh, different. (laughs) Well, you would think that, but I have a single, and my neighbor is also a music performance major. Uh So uh, her roommate's used to it. Everybody on the floor is pretty much used to it. Um, yeah. You had, uh, Nurse, you had said that oh. your your, um, you know, your your sensory processing has been really good uh, as of lately. What are some of the things that you've been doing that you feel have been helpful for you? I would say I have three top things. And the first one was take a lot less classes uh, and just get rid of a lot of stressful things like that. Um the second, no, I have four, but I'll, I'll condense them anyway. <laughs> the second one would be um, to really plan my time ahead of time so I don't spend all day going, trying to make little decisions of where I have to be because that just like saps your very smart life force. And then um, I actually got a weighted blanket, which I don't know what it is about it, but you go to sleep with it and you wake up and it's like your whole system is reset and it's very nice. Mm. Um. And then I took a three times a week water aerobics class just for fun. Mm -hmm. But I found that um, it really helped my balance, Mm. which was interesting. Like 
Um, I'm more, I don't spill things on my face as much as I used to do. Like if I picked up a cup of coffee to drink it, it would end up on my face. So I used to actually. So you're slightly um, uncoordinated in certain ways. Yes. In high school, I was known as the person who drinks coffee with a straw. (laughs) Because I didn't want to spill it on my face. Well, do what works, right? Yeah. I had this special thick straw that wouldn't like melt in the coffee. I was very prepared. (laughs) um so the the swimming so that's been uh really helpful for you uh as you said in a lot of ways besides from just being fun you've noticed that there's an improvement on your balance um and and those kind of motor kind of the the motor skills are are common common challenges for the whole oh sorry the whole water aerobics class is basically just uh pat your head and rub your stomach class it's just like 45 (laughs) minutes of that except you're in a pool and so at first it was very oh man, but then I I got into it. It's a whole pat your head and rub your stomach, which which I can do by the way. Ah, oh. can you do it? Yeah, I, I think that everyone should right now take a chance to, to see if they can do it. But it's more like um, touch your right hand to your left instep behind you, then bring it back up in front of you and do the opposite, but while jogging. Oh man, in the pool. And so at first you're like, what am I doing? But after a while you can do it. I would just be like, I would just make sure that I'm not in the front row and I would just watch yeah. the person in front of me. There's these exercises that for a while had some theory that can help kind of uh, connect, I think, the, the hippocampus to the brain, which helps the, the right and left side to the brain uh, communicate, where it's basically the, you know, pat your head and, and rub your stomach. But it's these, these different exercises where you're like drawing a circle with your right hand and then drawing a line with your left hand, but doing it like simultaneously. Oh, I saw that on YouTube once. I didn't know what it was. So I'm not sure. I, I, I know there was this like big study that was showing it to be like uh, as a potential uh, kind of uh, cognitive therapy but then the study just stopped and the uh, funding stopped and so the results were unknown um it, it's interesting i mean at, at the very least you can tell it's it's a, a brain challenge and anything to challenge your brain you know it's it's not like it's bad for you but it's yeah i mean unless you do way too much of it and burn out <laughs> makes me think of drummers uh you know who kind of cross the midline all the time when they're when they're drumming yeah you know what's really interesting? I used hmm. to be really bad at playing the piano. And then um, while I was taking that class, the swim class, I found that it was easier to have my hands think independently, like play independently. Hmm. And so I, I feel like there's a correlation there. That's really interesting. I know when, when I first learned was learning to play the guitar – um, and I'd be looking down the, the fretboard and I wanted my, you know, first finger to move, but my second finger would move, and yeah. it, you know, and it's, it's, it, and that wasn't even that long. I mean, I started playing guitar in maybe end of high school or early college. And that was, cause I started playing uh, piano since I was like four years old. Um, but that was just this weird, it just felt so unnatural. Um, but it, you know, it's with anything, it takes practice and it improves. So why don't we do this? Let's um, let's take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we will uh, get into talking more about, um, well, the things that we're going to talk about. I don't even know what we're going to talk about, but we'll figure that out when we get back. Okay. Support for this podcast comes from Audible. For a free audiobook download, go to ericktivers.com slash audible for a link for that free download and for some hand-picked recommendations, go to erictibbers.com slash audible for your free audiobook download. Get a Zoom room. Go to erictibbers.com slash Zoom. I use Zoom video conferencing for the ADHD rewired coaching and accountability group. Zoom makes video conferencing fun and easy. Share your screen, collaborate with a whiteboard, record the audio and video. It's ADHD friendly. Go free or go pro, but go to erictivers.com slash Zoom so they know that I sent you. That's erictivers.com slash Zoom. When you were in school, did you get extended time on your exams? Were you able to get extensions on your papers and projects? I know for me, if it weren't for extended time and extensions in school, there's no way I would be where I am today. 
So in appreciation of all the extended time I've received in my life, I'm extending registration for this summer's coaching and accountability group for just a few more days. This episode airs Tuesday, June 16th, 2015. You do have to call or schedule a time to talk with me now. After you hear this, press pause and schedule your call with me using my easy online scheduling tool at meetme.so slash Eric Tivers and choose the first option. It's the only one with the ADHD rewired logo. That's meetme, one word, dot so slash Eric Tivers. This goes right to my calendar. If you're interested in supercharging your productivity and getting more done this summer, take action now. You have until Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central Time to schedule your call. This will be your only second chance opportunity to join this group. I know I've been grateful for extensions, and this one is for you. We got just a couple spots left. We start Monday, June 22nd. I hope to talk with you soon. And we are back with Nerys Connor, and we were talking about autism, asexuality, and a, a gender ism. Is that a gender? A, a no, no, it's um. Uh, oh, what is the best way to say this? Uh, I would say a gender identity, a, a being or non-binary gender identity. Okay, having non, a non a, having a non-binary gender identity. You know, it's so funny when we think about like uh, person first language, just how non-eloquent it comes off. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh. <laughs> but it's I important have, though. I have a person first like person first language story. You're Go for it. Yes. Okay. And for those I who see. don't know, really quickly, uh, first and per, why is this a tongue twister all of a sudden? I'm like person for first and first and person first language is um, instead of saying you know I'm, I'm an ADHD person or I, I'm I'm ADHD, saying I'm a person with ADHD. So it's putting that person first and then having the the label be part of who they are versus who they are. And now the story. All right. My story. So I always get these emails. I must have ended up on a list or something from grad students at school mm-hmm. who are asking me about person first language, but it's from the point of view of a neurotypical person. Uh, they're like, so do you, do you use person first language? Do you know what it is? And they actually collected all of those and had a, for one of the intro to psych classes, like a debate kind of thing where they had, um, people talking about it was people on the autism spectrum who were saying that they didn't like first and first language. They're like, you know, it's, it's outlived its purpose. I'm autistic. I don't need you just like, I don't say I am a person with blonde hair. I, they're, they're, and I thought it was really interesting in a way that uh, not using person first language, it almost allows you to have more self-compassion because instead of you're a person who happens to have the mm-hmm. thing, you um, it's like um, you're accepting that as kind of a major part of you that colors how everything else happens. But then there are all these students who are like, no, but we, my textbook says person first language all the time, no exceptions. And um, they just couldn't unlearn that. Yeah, I think like all things like that, it's a good starting point Um, because I think that starting there is good. But I think that self-identity is uh, you have to listen to the the point of view of the person saying it. So I think I think each point has its perspective and I think it means something different, especially if you are aware of the first. I for some reason cannot put that phrase together first. You know what I'm trying to say. So, first language. yes, thank you. Um, so, I think if you have that awareness of that, and you're choosing to still use the, um, you know, the label as a self-identifier, it's just it's an interesting thing. I see a lot of, of conversations about this in, in different uh, like Facebook forums. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that somewhere in the the middle is really where where it's it's at. I think you know, but it's a good starting point. I think at at first and. <laughs> I give up. Um, what else are we going to talk about, oh. Aries? <laughs> okay. So in my head, numbers and letters have colors. And P and F are the same color. 
So it makes sense to me that you're having trouble with person first. Do you have synesthesia? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I, I think that's such a fascinating. Uh, can we talk a little bit about... Narice, you are All one right. of the most fascinating people I think I've ever met. Oh, thank you. So I'm actually working on this project at school for each of the music performance faculty members. I'm painting what their sound looks like. So like the saxophone professor has like um, his sound is very purple, but with almost like gold overlaid on it. And then my clarinet professor is like a blue, but it's a different texture. It's more watery. And then the other clarinet professor, it's green, but it's more staticky. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to paint all of their colors and make a set of them. Wow. Oh, it's uh, the, the idea because, I mean, synesthesia is a crossing of the senses. I mean, it's a. Uh, yeah. um, so I have to ask then, Nerys, do I have a color? Well, I've never heard you play an instrument. So it's only with music? Usually. Okay. I don't know. Um, there, I there, do is a, there is a YouTube video out there of me doing uh, playing piano and singing at the uh, the Add a Talent show. So if you uh, um, do a, a YouTube search for my name. And I have Ada. watched it, actually. And this is going to make you sad that um, the recording quality affects the color. I get so, it. I get yeah. it. So it's not going to be your true color. It's going to be the recording. I get it. That's oh, so interesting. The brain is just a fascinating to... playground for me. I just, I just I think it's so fascinating. Do you want to know something really fascinating? Yeah. Um, we had a guest speaker come into my intro to music business class and talk about old records and old recording technology. And after sitting there for like two hours and listening to them, and then we ended up listening to those same recordings in another class, based on what color the recordings were, I could tell what era and what style of recording they were it was crazy wow that is so fascinating does that ever have a downside a downside sometimes um mostly just social ramifications like you'll say to someone this chicken tastes really yellow and i don't <laughs> approve of yellow chicken they'll be like what are you talking about <laughs> i can see how that could come off as uh, a little awkward yeah um uh other downsides i'm trying to think Honestly, not really. Okay. Wow. Oh, that's 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 so cool. I think I occasionally tap into to, um, that when I'm when I'm really uh, when I'm playing the piano on a really good piano. Um, I, I I can see whole orchestration and movement of notes, um, but it, ha it doesn't happen on a keyboard. Like it's it's got to be that acoustic. Usually, it's like a good grand piano. Um, and it's, it's awesome when it happens. Oh, that's really cool. Um, okay. So we were going to also talk about, uh, there was a couple of books you wanted to talk about as well as oh, more yeah. issues around the, your sensory system. Okay. So let's go sensory right. first since we're kind of still on, on that. Cool. Uh, so I wanted to talk more about burnout and how people typically get to the point of burnout, which is, um, there were some online surveys that I read the results of that said a lot of people that identify as having had burnout, it was because they were diagnosed really late in life. Mm. And then they spent a long time putting in effort to try to appear neurotypical. And with that came like not a lot of self-compassion, self-care. And so you get to the point where that trying to fit in almost our uh, past as neurotypical like and not like say oh, I was talking earlier about how I don't like bowling alleys it would just be like well fine I'm going anyway uh you just that is one of the things that really brings you closer to burnout um so not listening to your own limitations yeah, yeah, not acknowledging that you have limitations. And there's that balance between pushing yourself out of your comfort zone to grow, but then also, yeah, really acknowledging the tax that it takes on you, the toll it takes yeah. on you. 
And I have a, um, I think I've mentioned a, a while back in a, an episode, there's a, a placard that I have in my kitchen um, that my, my father-in-law gave to my wife and I. Uh, and it says, and I, I don't know who, it, who it's from, uh, the quote, but it says, uh, masquerading as normal day after day is exhausting. And it's so true. Wait, can you say it again? Sure. Masquerading as normal day after day is exhausting. Yes, that's beautiful. I don't know who who that's uh, from, but it's uh, I think it was it was a little placard that was bought from some cute store, you know, that, that sells cute placards that say <laughs> catchy, funny things like that. Yes, and it was in my as I mentioned, my father-in-law gave it to us, and it was given out of a, an act of kindness, not of what's what's with you people. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever noticed that those placard stores smell funny? I definitely associate different stores with different smells. Are there any stores that you just try to avoid because they smell funny? No, but Toys R Us, the, the lights, like they flicker in a way that the yeah. last time I walked in there, I walked in and I walked out. And I used to work there in, in, when I was in uh, high school. I worked in a lot of places when I was in high school. Um, I think I mentioned I've had 21 jobs since by the time I was 21. Um, and, and Toys R Us is one of them. Um, and yeah, the last, and I think my sensory system has gotten in some ways like more sensitive as i've um there was about a year or two ago i was um working with a client uh, with with asperger's um he was a a, this thing is 12 or 13 at the time and we are working in we have a in my office here i have a a kind of a gross motor room that has swings and all this kind of stuff and so i'm talking with him and we're, we're sitting on this bench swing and we're just talking rocking very gently and all of a sudden i just like i thought i was gonna vomit and we, oh, were sit- no. we were sitting there i mean we were do- talking for 20 minutes it was like all of a sudden like the world started spinning like i felt so sick and ever since that point like my vestibular system like i get really like i can't even watch sometimes people uh, swinging like it makes me like dizzy and, and i know that the the older we get the more sensitive our, our vestibular system tends to to become but it was just like it was strange because it was like this this defining moment that like triggered in my brain that's like I could I can't do this anymore. And I used to really enjoy that sensation and I can't do it anymore. And even just talking about that now, it's making me feel a little queasy. Oh no. <laughs> so let's um let, let's talk about some other things. Um now you told me that you recently listened to Brene Brown's um, the the power of vulnerability. No, I listened to her other one, um, Daring um, Greatly. Yes, that one. What'd you think? I thought definitely from at school. I do a lot of activism work around gender identity, mm-hmm. and I thought it was really interesting from that point of view because it really helps. I like her section on um, how shame manifests differently in men and women, mm. and I think that that's a really, or even just. She had a point of you can't shame people out of using shame. Mm. And um, there were just a lot of points that she had that I think if applied in a activist standpoint could be really, really beneficial. I, I think her work can be kind of apply in so many uh, unique populations. Um, and I think it speaks to the, the ADHD population uh, uh, profoundly. Um, whether or not she even knows that or not, I, I don't know. Um, I am hoping there is to get her on the show at some point. Wow, that would yeah, be cool. Yeah. Um, uh, so that would, that, that would be like my number two, I think, uh, next to, to Barkley, who have already uh, had that. So that was uh, um, yeah, after my Barkley interview. So I, I can do Brene Brown. So I, I haven't reached out to her yet, but uh, it's it's – I'm hoping it's going to happen. Um, there was another book you were telling me about uh, that you oh, listened to. I meant to Google the actual title, but it's something, it's something like it, it's something along the lines of check the show notes. Um, <laughs> the magical art of tidying mm-hmm. by Marie Kondo. And I think that from an ADHD standpoint, if you don't know anything about ADHD and pick up this book, you'd probably get overwhelmed. But if you do know about ADHD, um, it's helpful because uh, she has a plan for organizing your whole house, but she breaks it all down. So she'll be like, okay, first clean all of your clothes in your whole house. But if you, I think you have to be really diligent on following her thing and not being like, okay, well I did half of this and now I'm (laughs) going to move on to DVDs 
then I, it could get really terrifying really okay. fast. Yeah, I've heard the I've recently I've heard this uh, recommended a couple times. Um, so it's something that that you've enjoyed. What, what what is um what is something that you're doing differently as a result? Oh, the most interesting thing I noticed was that um, I actually notice more my what is it with ADHD? Your time sense, like your ability to internal time. Mm-hmm. I'm more aware of not being aware of that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, um, I guess you cut a lot of clutter. So it becomes very obvious that I didn't like, I was doing some kind of project thing, but then I had to leave for something else. And then I didn't leave time to enough time to transition between those mm-hmm. because that's why there's all of that stuff out still you know there's this concept that comes from uh, uh social thinking um that that i've applied towards adults and the the, the a concept is for kids is that there's three parts of play there's setup there's play then there's cleanup and yeah. but that's all part of play so if we apply that to our work there's setup there's the work then there's the cleanup but but when we think about this all as part of the task and not these separate entities um for me that i remember sitting at a at a conference when they were they were talking about this and i made this connection i was like oh that's why i have so many piles cuz i you know i've assigned myself to work for this hour and then i just stop when i didn't give myself that time to actually clean up and wrap it up and put it away it's uh so when you it's so a lot of it is a, is a mindset shift yeah, uh, of definitely. really just thinking about how we're thinking about our our tasks she also had in that book what i thought was really helpful was a set coming in the room routine at the end of the day mm-hmm. and she just memorized hers but i wrote it down and you can see it but the the other people cannot see it um, it's I have just, to say it's in its broken like frame. <laughs> no, okay. I'll tell you the story of the broken frame. It's it's quick. Don't worry. I went to the thrift store and got after that episode where you said you had one of those analog clocks with the glass frame that you can write on it with your mm-hmm. whiteboard marker and stick stuff to. Mm-hmm. I went out and bought at the thrift store a fifty cent glass frame, and um, I typed up my coming into the room after school routine and. It's basically just stuff like empty your backpack, put a, put new snacks for tomorrow into your backpack, check your planner, wash up like, uh, and it's color coded and whatnot. And, but it was, I guess her book really get, tries to get you into the mindset of having, thinking of organization as something that you need a routine for and mm-hmm. not something that just like happens. Yeah. So is that helpful for you? Yeah, a lot. Cool. Very cool. You know, one of the, one of the things that I've noticed when I'm working with, uh, you know, with clients who both have the executive function and ADHD challenges along with autism is that while they may have a hard time developing the, the organizational strategies and using the calendar, but it seems like, you know, unlike when it's just ADHD, once you get it established, it sticks. I don't, how has that been for you? I find that it sticks, but then everything changes. Like I had it, I had this beautiful night routine and morning routine at school. And I would tell people like, Oh, my favorite part of the day is waking up and going to bed because it's just so relieving. And then maybe two weeks later, I'm back home for the summer and everything's different mm. and trying to get it, create a new routine and get that to stick is it's like uh, back to the drawing board. So so now, Narice, you were in my, um, is it the first ADHD yes, Rewired Coaching and one. Accountability Group? The the beta version where I, uh, um, you know, all kinds of experiments took place and no, no animals or people were injured. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about what that experience was like for you, for you, being that it's been, well, it's been quite some time since that group. And I'm curious to know um, from what you took from the group if you're still maintaining some of those things that you developed? Yeah. Um, I think the one big thing that I'm still maintaining is you had shown us a way to keeping a paper planner that said uh, like people priorities uh, projects. Mm -hmm. And so filling that out every day before I do anything, um, that's probably the only thing that I'm still actually doing. I took away from the group, though, that I really need 
like I can play it all I want. I can, but I need accountability. I mm. really do. So, um, I also took away from the group that I needed to focus a lot more on energy management. Um, that's huge. Yeah. So that's gotten a lot better actually. I think I was, I was talking to someone recently about that. Um, and I think I mentioned it, uh, on a recent episode about the idea of that, you know, productivity is, is less about time management as it is about energy management. Yeah. Cause when I, when, you, when I think about, you know, wh- why, um, when I'm, when I'm being inconsistent and we know that, that inconsistency is kind of part of ADHD, but why is it that sometimes I can just like get a whole bunch of work done that almost feels effortless and other times half of that work seems like a monumental task that I just stare at and don't do. It's the energy and what it really relates to is sleep and uh and exercise and so when my energy is in the right spot I, I feel really like it's a lot easier to get all that stuff done okay i we are just about out of time here um was there anything else that you wanted to add before we uh go into the part of the show that i call the random question around is there any other um, thing you wanted to add i think i'm good okay then let's do this it is time for the random question around. This is the part of the show that has nothing to do with ADHD, which then paradoxically has everything to do with ADHD. Are you ready? I am. Okay. Give us an invention that's going to change the world or at least change something. Okay. I actually, every time I hear the show and you say this, I try to come up with something beautiful and profound. And pretty much every time I do, but I always forget them. And the only one that stuck with me is like very stupid and self-serving, but I love it. Okay, so I have this idea. Hairspray that you style your hair once and it just stays like that forever. You spray the hairspray on and like it doesn't grow, it doesn't change color, it doesn't get dirty or anything. And then you never have to style your hair ever again. I think that there are a lot of people listening right now thinking that that is brilliant. And I was thinking about this today, and I've got two different versions. There's a different serum that allows it to grow if you're trying to grow your hair out, but it still keeps it looking fresh and nice and whatever. And then the other one that keeps it from growing when it's already at the haircut length you want. Now, what about for uh, people like me who uh, have a lack of um, of hair to work with? Hmm. I'm sure if it's uh, if we're going for magical inventions, it could be just make as much hair as you want. <laughs> Okay, I, th- I think they have something like that called uh, um, uh, Rogaine. Oh, no. I was reading, I got sucked into the suggested articles on some website once. I'm trying to find a way to block those. But anyway, uh, I was reading about how some people that get hair implants mm-hmm. actually ended up with like um, neurological damage because they the way they had done it impacted... Um, the nervous system on top of the head and I'm like oh god that's terrifying oh no it wasn't Rogaine it was something else Interesting. some kind of implant surgery wow okay um, next question if you could conduct a symphony of it's 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 going to be about as random as I'm making it up right now. A, <laughs> okay. a symphony of of musicians that um this is not going anywhere where I wanted to go. Um, would you want to? You're going to say monkeys. That is such a oh, good no. idea. I can imagine it now. <laughs> what instruments would be involved? Uh, symbols definitely. definitely, but also like slide whistle. <laughs> definitely the symbols, like the yeah, the um. Wow, do you think that monkeys could be trained to to play like in a group on in rhythm together? I think vaguely. I don't know how well they do with like melody and pitch, but I think they could do rhythm. That would be fantastic. And so let's say you you were, uh, were able to conduct this symphony of monkeys. What would, and, and people were going to come from far and wide to see this. What would the name of this event be called? Ooh. All right, I'm watching the monkeys for inspiration. They all have sunglasses on, even though they're indoors, which doesn't make sense. 
but maybe they have sensory processing issues. They don't like the fluorescent lights on the stage. There we go, monkeys. Okay. Um, Keep going and taking the picture because that, to me, that's great. And there's like one that's playing electric guitar and there's like lightning and pyrotechnics and whatnot. Um, But the rest of the band is more acoustic or, or symphony. Oh, now that we're thinking symphony, there's a part of the group that's like, they're dressed in their concert tuxedos with the violin, but they're still monkeys and they're still wearing the sunglasses. Um, so this is a very interesting arrangement of instrumentalists. Anyway, um, what would we call it? Oh, I'm just coming up with kind of generic stuff like musical monkeys extravaganza. I'm trying to think of something more original, but it's not really happening. And isn't it so um, hard to come up with that on the fly? Yeah. Hmm. Monkey see, monkey hear. Hey, hey. Um, we actually do this at my internship. We try to come up with names for stuff. And it usually goes kind of like this. Um, if only there was a classical composer that's name rhymed with bananas. If only. Yeah, if only. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, that's all I've got. My one question would be, though, is uh, is Jim, the, the good intentions monkey, is, is he in the band? Oh, he's a conductor. Oh, that's Wait, no, I'm the conductor. Uh, he's the other conductor. Two conductors? We actually did that in high school once. It was terrifying. How does that work? Poorly. Um, <laughs> they have the, we didn't have a big enough stage, so they had the chorus in front and the orchestra on top, and they had one conductor following the other conductor to conduct the chorus, and we were, it was very very difficult to organize wow. with high schoolers. Oh, man. I'm going to have that image in my head probably for the rest of the day, and I want to thank you for it. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> but are you imagining it with high schoolers or with monkeys? Monkeys. Yeah. It, it, There's kind of a fine line, though, between the two, I think. Uh, <laughs> not to offend any high schoolers that might be listening, but uh, um, you would probably agree if you're being honest. <laughs> I just lost my, my, my uh, you know, 15 to 18 listenership, but it's, you know, they'll, they'll come back. All right. So um, that's all the time that we have in a race. Is, um, I don't know if you want people to be able to reach out to you if they, if, uh, if you um, would like that. Is there a way that they can reach you? Yeah. Do they mind just private messaging me on Facebook? Okay. So you are Is on that? Facebook. Yeah. So if, if you're on Facebook and you can uh, private message. Wait, do, would you rather have my email? It or is would up you- to you. Cool. I'll give you my email also. Uh, my email and my Facebook are actually the same. Okay. So my email is narice, N-A-R-I-S-E dot Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R at gmail.com. And then my Facebook is just the same first and last name without the period. Narice, thank you so much for spending time on ADHD Rewired. And as always, thank it you. is good at talking with you. I hope you have a great summer. You too. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of ADHD Rewired. And if you're new to the show, welcome to ADHD Rewired. We are more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. You can see a full outline of this and all other episodes with all the links and other resources mentioned during this interview at ADHDrewired.com. Help support this podcast by checking out my sponsors. I use Zoom video conferencing nearly every day and so can you. Go free or go pro, but please go to erictibbers.com slash Zoom so they know that I sent you. And you can get a free audiobook from Audible at erictibbers.com slash Audible. And next time you shop Amazon, use the Amazon search portal at ADHDrewired.com. A small percentage of your purchase will go to support this show. And it doesn't cost you anything extra. 
You can also support this podcast by leaving an honest rating and review in iTunes or Stitcher. This really helps other people find this show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't just be a passive listener, be an active member of the ADHD Rewired community. We are on Facebook. You can like our page, but please submit your request to join our free and growing community. And don't forget to check your other inbox because I screen everybody before they come into our community. And this is the final call to action. If you are interested in joining this summer's coaching and accountability group, this is your final chance. Go to coachingrewired.com or call me 224-993-9450 or schedule your consultation call with me. Going to meetme.so slash Eric Tivers and choose the first option that has the ADHD Rewired logo. All the links will be on my website for this episode. Prepare to get your ADHD rewired. Oh, and next week, I may or may not have an announcement about something new I might be doing. We'll see what happens. See you next week. Mm -hmm.